It's a touchy time to go into law enforcement, to be in law enforcement. It's not a glorious job, but it's a serious responsibility. Your bad choice, your bad judgment can change the landscape of families. The power shouldn't make you hungry. It should make you humble. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome, everyone, to the Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, David Ushry. And if you've been with us for the last few podcasts, you know that we've been devoting discussions to race, both in our coverage on air and here on the Debrief, and how race and bias intersect with various aspects of society. And this week, we're going to take a deeper dive into a story Pat Battle brought us, an extraordinary look at training with the Bergen County Prosecutor's Police Department, the law enforcement agencies there, uh, really confronting the issue head on, of course, issues that have been at the forefront of the national discussion most recently since George Floyd and then Jacob Blake and other incidents in between. So let's listen to the story Pat Battle brought us as the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office law enforcement team tackles this head on with new recruits. A typical training day at the Bergen County Police Academy, even to the untrained eye, is pretty much what you'd expect. Firearms instruction on the shooting range. I had a nice rhythm on that one. Tactical entry drills easing tensions in a domestic dispute. It's not our business. All standard operating procedure in any police training. But then there's this. What we can't be is what generations before us have been. We can't be the authoritative because I said so type of police. We have to soften the edges. It's a first of a kind lesson for these police recruits in Bergen County, one triggered by months of protests and civil unrest directed at law enforcement agencies nationwide. So there are people most notably in Minnesota and other places. They've murdered someone while wearing a badge. I don't think they're bad cops. I think they're bad people that became cops. You can't teach someone to be that heinous and that callous. George Floyd died at the hands of Minneapolis police two months before this diverse group entered the academy. But Bergen was already aiming to forge a new template in racial sensitivity and de-escalation training. We want to make sure that you could shoot right while that's important and it could save your life. It pales in comparison to the thousands of interactions that are equally important that could also save your life. The encounter they are all guaranteed to face more than any other traffic stops. What's the picture of a North Jersey police officer if you are a young black male? It's probably a sleeve tattoo, bald head white guy. When they get pulled over, maybe they're thinking like, oh, this guy's not gonna understand my story, or me again. We didn't have many um, racial conversations in previous classes. We, we spoke to how to treat people fairly, but we didn't specifically tie it into some of the current events. And so th this is topical because we're dealing with something in real time that we need to address. Dorian is in a car. He gets pulled over by someone in this room. The officer, like they were trained, walks up to the car and says, license, registration, and insurance. What would you say? Me personally, I would just give it the license, registration, but I'm sure there's somebody else, for what? 
Dorian Dawson is admittedly atypical. That, no, that's 100% fair. He's a 27-year-old ex-Marine working as a security guard while looking to become a cop. Bergen County, New Jersey has an opportunity to influence the rest of the world of what unity looks like. We need to open up dialogue with the police officers. When Dorian addressed this Black Lives Matter protest in Hackensack, police too were listening. And soon after, he was invited to a listening session with Bergen County prosecutors who thought this class of young recruits needed to hear what Dorian had to say. Raise your hand if you're racist. Deputy Chief asks, anyone racist? No one put their hands up. But we all have our bias. But you can unlearn it if you want to unlearn it. It's bigger than you. If you mess up, we mess up now. We spend so much time building equity in our community, and it goes away instantaneously if you don't respect the profession. Amid demands to defund the police, Bergen is investing, not in military equipment, but equipping these recruits with a different mentality. The academy contracted with Tomahawk Strategic Solutions to bring these cadets into a new era of policing. It's very important when we're talking about police funding and police budgets, you know, more training is going to instill a little bit more confidence. Confidence will instill better, more sound decision making. We wanted to give these recruits that from the ground up, from their careers from the ground up. The community is driving all of this. If we are going to be as good as we claim to be, we have to be compassionate and we have to be um, mindful of how the community sees us. Are we on the precipice of real change? I do feel that that is uh, the direction that we're going in as a country. It's a touchy time to go into law enforcement, to be in law enforcement. It's not a glorious job, but it's a serious responsibility. Your bad choice, your bad judgment can change the landscape of families. The power shouldn't make you hungry, it should make you humble. Not a textbook example of academy training unless you're trying to turn the page on modern policing. Some people say that if you are empathetic and you have uh, a lot of compassion, it makes police work harder. It's the exact opposite. If you don't have that, you can't succeed in this job. Just an extraordinary look, an unusual look. And we're happy to have with us now on the podcast, Deputy Chief Jason Love from the prosecutor's office. He is the person you saw leading the training. Chief, thanks for being with us. And I have to tell you, as a viewer, I was watching, and, and I know that you knew the cameras were rolling, but your conversation with these recruits uh, seems so sincere and honest as if you'd had it before, you'd had it in your own head, you'd had it with a lot of officers. Just take me a little bit more into that and how this then became really an effective and essential part of training. Yeah, so thank you for having me. So that's a conversation that we had internally within our agency for years, just trying to harken back to the days of what this job really is about. And then in the light of George Floyd and, and the protests and demonstrations that ensued, we saw an opportunity to really be institutionally reflective and figure out a way that we could um, spread that message. And, um, Consequently, we had listening sessions uh, in our community with uh, some of the organizers of the protests, some of the demonstrators, uh, members of the clergy, members of the LBGTQ community. And uh, there was a common underlying uh, sense of feedback, and that was we needed to do more in training. Uh, and so we saw this as a real opportunity to talk uh, about the importance of compassion and empathy uh, and, and how it is equally as important in knowing the laws and, and knowing the tactics of policing. You said something so interesting, I thought, and that was listening tours. And so often we need to be reminded through all of our internal workplaces, us here, 
uh, anywhere, corporate offices, about the two-way dialogue. The listening is just as important as the articulating of an opinion or a thought. Uh, but take me back to how hard was it or how receptive was the department to doing something like this? Obviously, they took the uh, proactive initiative to, to, to listen. But yet, you know, these are institutions that sometimes are reluctant to change or acknowledge vulnerabilities. How? Tell me about the process of getting this from an idea to an actual part of the curriculum. So we're fortunate in Bergen County that we have a leadership that embraces um, being progressive and doing what's best for not only law enforcement, but with our community. And so when we when I took back um, the feedback that I got from those various listening sessions, the chief and the prosecutor uh, wanted to put something in place immediately. It, we've always talked about building bridges in the community, but no one had the tools or the knowledge how to do it. So there's no template for this. And so my task was to simply do something. Uh, and, and that something was just to start a dialogue. It was more formal um, because the, the cameras were there, but this is a, a, continue, a continuing process. We're going to do this uh, every every week or so, and, and it's going to be different topics, and it's going to be um, – it's going to be not political and not necessarily racial. It's going to be more about putting the professionalism back into the profession. We have to start at at their clay stage and mold them to, to what we, we want them to be. I want to pick up on something you said. Yes, the cameras were there. And so we didn't hear a lot uh, from the crews themselves. But if the cameras weren't there, what, give me a sense of that honest conversation that sometimes you have to have. Yeah. So you spoke to listening sessions. And what we do in law enforcement oftentimes is tell everyone how good we are and what we're doing. And we rarely listen and, and solicit honest feedback. And in these in these off uh, informal conversations with the recruits, they expressed um, a reluctancy to um, engage in some 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 of these sensitive topics. And um, I, I explained to them, as, as we all do, that starting the discussion puts us halfway to a solution and we have to have these sensitive conversations. Um, and it's really about what, what what I didn't want to confuse them with is what's in the headlines. It has to be more about once the headlines go away, who are you as an officer? And, and, and those are the things that we talked about. Something interesting, you bring a member of the community in. You brought in an African-American male to talk honestly. Tell me about that. Yeah, so being an African-American in law enforcement, I can uh, relate to them my journey and my experiences, but it is going to be slanted from the law enforcement perspective, right? So that they can identify with me as being uh, someone in the profession. But we thought that if we're really going to be honest and open and, and try to affect change, that we should bring the people who are frustrated and who have expressed the desire for change and have it come from them and not through the filter of my comprehension of what, what they said to me. Chief, tell me a little bit about your just personal reflections. I interviewed a, a deputy chief of the NYPD, uh, assistant chief, newly appointed African-American a woman, history-making. But it was interesting to hear her and talk to her about, on the one hand, she certainly understands the the institutional biases that many in the community have confronted, but also she felt, look, we're, we're doing the best we can. Nobody likes a bad cop. And to paint us with a broad brush is just as guilty as when law enforcement paints an entire community with a broad brush. You must run up against that kind of uh, double-edged sword as well. I, I certainly do. So it's important for us to realize that there are bad people who do bad things in various professions. Um, if we had a if I had a relative who was dealing with a doctor in California and this doctor did egregious things to him, it wouldn't make me not go to my doctor. It would just make me understand that people in professions 
or do things wrong. And so it's no difference in, in policing. We just have to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Personally, I come from, my father is a retired police officer. Um, I, I come from a, a, a family with a lot of people in public service. And so it hits home to me that it hits home to me that, you know, we all are trying to do the right thing. And we have to understand that we can't label uh the, the, our community certain ways, and we also can't afford to label ourselves that way as well. Chief, it seemed to me, and Pat and I discussed this after the piece aired, I know it's not easy to put a program like that together, but it seems to be a no-brainer that all departments or many departments should be doing something like this. Have you heard interest in what you're doing, and why aren't more departments doing something like this? Yeah, I, I honestly think that they are doing things like okay. this. I mean, maybe not exact, but I, I think people have all started to gather around tables and understand that there needs to be some sort of training change. And and, and we are we we're, we have the luxury of being in a state where the PTC affords us a great curriculum of, of what we should be teaching our recruits. But but we shouldn't just check the boxes of that. We have to understand how different communities require different training and, and, and we have to, you know, embrace that change. Well, Chief, uh, we, we wish you Godspeed in that effort uh, and, and in promoting the engagement and the dialogue with the community, but also giving this space for young recruits to kind of listen and learn uh, away from the headline. And uh, we thank you for sharing your time with us. No, thank you for having me. All right, that's Deputy Chief Jason Love from the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. I want to thank the debrief production team, Melissa Harris, Ben Berkowitz, Darren Price. We'll check you next time on the debrief.